Yeah, thank you for tuning in. It's more than a podcast. Inexhaustible episodes, God's vast. Glorify him as we broadcast the Lord's grace and God's wrath. More serious than a bomb blast. Full disclosure inside the title. No surprises, simply put, guys with Bibles, yeah. Just some regular reborn reformed cats If it's in the Bible, then they're gonna speak on that Cause the scripture is the final word okay. Competing ideas, quite absurd Of this you can be quite assured <laughs> yeah. We were lost in the darkness of night immersed in sin But then the, the light, light emerged. emerged It was the Son of God, divine Christ that shines light The word in Genesis that assigned life in hindsight And was revealed through the prophets and apostles We magnify and expound on the power of the gospel Yeah, yeah This is Guys with Bibles. I'm Scott. I'm Sean. And I'm Lee. And we're going to be talking about law and gospel today. So, whoever wants to start us out, let's go ahead and get started. Scott, um, do you have the questions? I have no idea what the <laughs> questions are. I am, I am shooting from the hip today. All right. <laughs> so, well, question one should be easy enough. What is the law? What is the law? So, the law was given back in the Sinai Covenant, right? Um, Back in Exodus, um, I want to say 20. Starting in verse 1. You you start in verse (laughs) 1, you (laughs) dirty dog. That's where he gives the where God gives the Ten Commandments. Right. Yeah. You just don't don't rush me here. Don't rush me here. Uh, Okay. So basically, it starts in uh, chapter twenty of Exodus, um, where God is. They're on Mount Sinai. Uh, Moses is on Moses is on Mount Sinai. Um, God descends like a cloud around Mount Sinai. Um, the people of Israel are down on the ground of Mount Sinai, um, which is considered holy ground. Um, they are not to step foot on the mount. Um, so this is where God's given his law to Moses to give to the people. Um, and this is what he expects of the people um, throughout the Old Testament, um, which none none of them were ever able to fulfill. Um, so, yeah. I'm looking. Go ahead. You keep going. Sorry. Yeah. Hang on. Go ahead. Sean, what did you have to say on this? Um, mine is a very simple explanation. Uh, of course it is. Because I'm a simple, simple man. <laughs> uh, but it's basically the law. In, in general, in Scripture, is the parts of Scripture that it commands us to do something or not to do certain things as an expression of uh, what God wants us to do, an expression of His holiness. Uh, do you want to read the rest of what I wrote, Sean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, gosh, oh, yeah. Guys, yeah, yeah. Suck. 
What yeah. in the world are we doing? <laughs> uh, I I wrote to go along with what oh, Sean I did, said. Oh, I did. I did. Re- oh, my bad. <laughs> I read my answer and part of Lee's. I'm just kidding. Right. It's, I it's was fun. just I was just reading it. I was like, okay, uh, what are we doing? <laughs> uh, yeah, like Sean said, the law is a faithful expression of God's holiness and His justice and his rightful expectation of obedience that his holiness requires. Obedience. So uh, everyone everyone is judged on, on that basis. All unbelievers are judged on that basis because we all live under the law, and only those of us, and we're kind of, I'm skipping ahead here a little bit, but those who believe in Christ are not subject to um, keeping the law anymore because it's been kept on our behalf. And we... Right. We live differently under the new covenant, but I'm skipping forward there. But but if we go to like what, what is the law? So we have we have many people who who understand the law as the Ten Commandments, right? But mm-hmm. the Israelites were given more than just the Ten Commandments, right? They they established laws. Um, I think there was a total of like 613 laws ding, ding, um, ding. in in total, and uh, some were. Um, what not to do, and some were what to what do. you should do. Mm-hmm. Um, what you should um, wear, so, what you should right. and shouldn't eat, where you um, should go on what day, or how far you should walk exactly, on a certain day. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Little little tidbits like that. Um, but what I was going back to was when God gave the law to Moses, he he knew no one could fulfill this law. And it was like a prerequisite um, to the people. Like, this is what I, you know what I mean? Like, this is what I expect of you, but none of you can fulfill it. And the only one that will fulfill it is going to be the son, the Messiah, will be me. You know, that's that's why a huge part of the law is rules about the various sacrifices that have to be made, because there's a whole a whole set of rules in there about what sacrifices need to be made for certain sins or certain other things. So the whole law was built with an expectation that the law will be broken. And there were all these, um, mediations, uh, that were undergone by the worshipers so that they could be made right again in God's standing. Whether they had become ritually unclean or had committed a certain sin, there was a sacrifice to be paid, uh, to re-enter the community at that point, all, and all that stuff was pointing to Christ ahead of time. Right, right. Sweet and, Jesus. And and what we what we need to understand is the law has not been abolished. Um, the law has not been forgotten. The law has been written on all of our hearts completely. Uh, once we were born, we had the law written on our heart. Um, but the law cannot be it cannot stand alone is what we're trying to get here um through this discussion on law and gospel the law itself cannot make a man righteous and cannot save a man um but the law is there for a specific purpose it's to show the um the vulnerability of a man it is to show the 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 problems the man has, the need of a savior a man has. Um, 
yeah, you're you're bringing us nature. You know, I'm bringing you all around to the the main main points through here. You're bringing us to question two, which is what did or does the law do, and what is it good for? And Sean had actually really this was a transition. You just interrupted me, Lee. Way to go. (laughs) You know, I was transitioning right into the next question, you know, for you. You destroyed it. Wait, way to go. Way to go. You know what? That was a good transition, you know, and now it's ruined. Way to go. Yeah, there, there. No one will ever know because this this will be coming out. This will be coming out. (laughs) We only have like one Uh, listener anyway. Uh, I'm going to read just my answer this time. No, you're not. And uh, it's from Calvin's Institutes of the Christian Religion. That's not your answer. That's Calvin's answer. I found it. <laughs> yeah, so did everybody I typed else. it out. No, you copied and pasted. <laughs> Whatever. Go ahead, read it. Go ahead. You play but um, on the three uses of the law, the first use, uh, while it shows God's righteousness, it warns, informs, convicts, and lastly condemns every man of his own unrighteousness. Now, where is this found in that way for people to, you know... 276. 276. All right, what's that mean for them? Chapter 2, Section 7. Paragraph 6. Paragraph 6. All right. Uh, That'd help explain. That way people can locate. The second point is it functions by fear of punishment to restrain certain men who are untouched by any care for what is just and right unless compelled by hearing the dire threats in the law. That's 2.7.10. And then lastly, it admonishes believers and urges them on in well-doing. That's 2.7.12 and 13. Nice. Boom. I like, man, Calvin just hits it on the head. Oh, it's, it's hard to beat a Calvin answer. I mean, but, it truly is. But it goes back to what you said before, Scott, where the law is not going to save anybody. We know that. And so the best thing the law can do is exactly what Calvin uh, outlines here, is it can convict sinners of their sin, kind of cut them off at the knees, so to speak. And then for the believers, it can admonish them, you know, teach them, uh, chasten them, and urge them on to, uh, to holy living. Right, and that brings us like to Galatians three twenty four, where it says, um, "Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ, so mm-hmm. that we may be justified by faith." It is not there to save the person; it is there as a guide. It is there to reveal your sin and your sinful nature, and it's to guide you to the light. Right, it's to guide right. you to the main source of life. Yeah, it's, it helps you realize that you, you can't save yourself, and you need right. to look outside of yourself to a savior, which is Christ. Exactly. Boom. Um. Uh, so on the Facebook group, I put out a question um, asking anybody if they had questions about law and gospel, and um, one member wrote in. His name's Eric Kemp, and he he asked about what. A little more detail on what is the third use of the law, and I think I think Scott, you kind of hit it on the head right there, using Galatians three twenty four, where the law for us is a tutor, 
so even though we're not we're not keeping the ceremonial laws, we're not keeping the the theocratic government laws that are laid out in the scripture, there are still moral laws such as the Ten Commandments, um, the Ten Commandments and in, in some other sections as well that do act like a tutor to us, where not only do they point us to the finished work of Christ on our behalf, living righteously, but also they uh, provoke us in, in through our journey of sanctification to uh, to look at our conduct and see if it's if it's measuring up to the uh, the examples we've been given in Scripture uh, and see if we're producing the fruit of the Spirit and to take our concerns to God if we're not uh, if we're not where we should be as a believer. Right. Right. And, and what's what else is really interesting about the law? The law is basically the foundational moral standard. Um, it is basically God setting out the foundation of this is what is expected of everybody. You know, do not murder. Okay, that's that's for everyone. That's not just for a certain people. It's not just for a certain section or race. It, it's for everyone. Across the world, uh, do not steal. I mean, that's that's normative. You know, that should be in everyone's regulatory mind that we are not to steal or take God's name in vain. Like that should be, which even the sinner or the unbeliever still to this day takes God's name in vain, but will deny Him to a Christian's face. You know, they will say, "Yeah, I don't believe in God," but you know, I will say. God, and and mm. during in a mocking regular, way. yeah, in a mocking way, but you're you're giving acknowledgement to God, but you are blaspheming, you know, you are you are creating a hypocrisy in your own self um, that you are just denying a, the main deity, the God of the Bible that that has created you, that set the law inside your heart completely. And then when when unbelievers want to argue moral standards, which is 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 very entertaining, um, which they ha- they always have to fall to a Christian moral standard. They can never just start by something that they just drawn up. They have to fall back on the Christian moral standard. Everyone has to go to a Christian worldview in order to start their foundation of whatever they believe, you know? I mean, Mm -hmm. so the moral standard of the Christian worldview is really everybody's standard in morality completely. Because that law is written on our hearts. Right. And what people don't understand is that law has been in your heart since birth, since you were thought of, since you were created you, you know i mean it was right. it was created all the way back in the start of creation when everyone was elected chosen and boom you know we start the whole process so i mean the amazing thing about the law is that it is everywhere it is coherent with everyone at the same time and it's you either acknowledge the law or you reject the law and a lot of us, before we were Christians, we rejected the law because we didn't want to see our sinful self. We didn't want to see how dirty we were, how unclean we were. We wanted to make ourselves righteous, you know, 
in our own eyes. But yeah. Nice. Wow. Anything else wow. on that question? No, I don't, I don't really have anything else. Cool. Question four, does covenant theology play into the application of law? Yes. <laughs> Tell us why. Well, I don't really have an answer. I just said yes. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, I, out of the three of us, am the newest to covenant theology. So, you know, little baby. So I, um, I'm not, baby. I'm not super familiar with how it relates. So I, I know it does, but I would like someone to explain it to me because I'm still, okay. I, I'm on the milk. Right, right. So, so what I what I would what I would suggest. All right. So we've already went through a covenant theology book. It was like a beginner's guide of I, Douglas Van Dorn. Douglas Van Dorn. Yeah. Um, it was like an introduction into covenant theology um, for but, for so, particular Baptists. Right, right. Yeah. And so what I tell what I tell you, you know, and, and anyone, I'd go back to okay, let's go to the covenant of grace. Then we'll go to um, the covenant of works and then the covenant of redemption. And we'd work through those. And through all three of those, the covenant of works primarily, um, which really draws out the law um, and the covenant of grace um, really draws out the law, um, that the law was given to us by grace, you know, um, and then to be redeemed. Christ came to fulfill the law for us in our place because we could not fulfill it in our own, you know. So the covenant theology really is the framework for law and gospel. You know, it, it's the skeleton, the exoskeleton. I was just going to say it's weird because I, I know all that, and yet I'm still working on connecting it with covenant theology, even though I know all that it, it's, it's just, it's, it's not my normal background. So I'm still right. studying it and making well, sure I get it right. I get one way, one way you could look at it. And this kind of dovetails too, with a question that Jeremy Lee posted, wanted to talk about different, uh, different theological branches and how they saw the application of the law. So for instance, uh, let's talk about dispensationalists. So oh, Lord. more often they <laughs> they will <laughs> they will jettison the law because they see Israel and the church as two separate things. Right. Well, in right. fact, they don't even think the church existed until Pentecost anyway. Right. Um so so those things, the Old Testament kind of gets severed off and handed over to the Jews for their journey to God, and then we get uh we believers, believers, Christians, we get the teachings of the New Testament, and not even all teachings of the New Testament, because even some dispensationalists will say that, for instance, like the the teachings in the Sermon on the Mount are for the millennium, not for now. So it's it's a kind of a confusing thing there, and really, I I believe seeing seeing redemptive history laid out in covenants is a much smoother and more biblical way to see the application of the law because the law was given to Israel and Jesus being the the true Israel fulf did fulfill the law on on our behalf and by doing that uh saved his covenant people 
which he's always had, whether back then, uh, up until today, and into the future, God's elect will always, uh, they will have coverage under the blood of Jesus and in his righteousness. Um, but that's because Jesus is the true Israel, not one ethnic group, that there were, that there'll be people from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation across the world that will, uh, that will be parts of Israel, um, known as the church. So saying that the church was started at Pentecost throws the whole application of the law uh, out the window. Right. Because they don't believe the church was even there at when the law was given, which we who are covenant theology holders, even as even as particular Baptists, we do see that you know Israel was given the covenant of works, and Jesus fulfilled that covenant of works on our behalf because we sinners could never we could never hold to it in our own power. Right. So yeah, I would I would say it. The covenants play a lot into not only what laws get applied to Christians today, but how that law has applied to the church throughout history. Right. And not only this. So you mentioned dispensational, but dispensational, they have a main major problem when it comes to Scripture. I mean, it's inevitable. You can't make yourself go around it. Um, when you claim dispensationalist, um, you are claiming to read the entire Bible as a dispensationalist view. I mean, you can't nitpick certain sections that you're going <clears> to <throat> dispensationalize. You have to dispensationalize the entire Bible. Um, so your eschatology becomes your main cripple to your entire mm-hmm. theology. Yeah, you read um, the Bible backwards. Yeah, you read it in a terrible manner. I mean, dispensational is probably the worst one that you could jump into, and a lot of people are diving into it just because of big names and big wig pastors. And unfortunately, and frankly, in, a, in America, that's like the most popular. Right, and it has made its and big it's the bang. most recent, which may be part of it. Right, like yeah. 1960, I believe is when it came about. I, I'm almost well, positive. Eight, 18, was 1860. It? Yeah, because yeah, it was back it was then. That, like 60, yeah. Darby, Darby and Ryrie and those guys. Right. It was really getting started back kind of in the mid-19th century when when the revivalism stuff was was breaking out, you know? second right. the The so-called Second Great Awakening. And then, so Darby had study notes out. There were... Uh, the Schofield Study Bible was kind of the big, the first big step for. Do you call um, it Schofield? I call it Schofield. Oh no, it's it's Schofield. Yeah, I think I think it's Schofield. I scoff at Schofield. I'm you not, you I'm mispronounce not something, I Scott? I mispronounce all kinds of things. <laughs> it's really true. <laughs> like, I need to learn how to sound things out. No. <laughs> <laughs> I just need to call Lee. Hey. I'm gonna send you. Some, I'm gonna send you a word. You tell me how you would say it. I'll send you a voice memo. You're right. Okay, we have one more question. How do Christians use the law badly? Oh, in so Bible. many ways. Oh, terrible ways. So we get we get uh, all right. So the use of the law, they use it badly. Um, many I've seen the law be used in an abusive manner. Um, not only 
um, within a family, but also within the church, um, where it's always law, 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 what you can do, what you can do, what you can do, which ends up becoming um, works righteousness uh, in, in a sense. And then it, there's Disguised no as gospel. holiness, yeah. Yes, the, yeah, there's no gospel. There's no... Yeah. Um, it's not, um, well, you're, no you're your own gospel. Your ability you know, yes, to yes, obey yes. is your own gospel. You are basically controlling your own destiny. And, well, I can't do this, but I need to do this. I can't do this, but I need to do this. Pastor told me that I'm not living right. In order to live right, I need to be doing this. And it's not the, the problem is it's not what you do. It's not it's not what you're doing. It's it's what you need to do. Here's what you need to do. You need to fall on your knees and you need to repent. And then that's it. And and go from there and let Jesus and let God let God just do the work. That's what he's there for. And the problem with that that kind of misuse of the law is it it is coming from a good place because the law is meant to show us our inadequacies and what we are doing wrong and what the good things that we're neglecting to do also, because that's another type of, of failure, not only doing prohibited things, but not doing the recommended things. Um, right. that's, that's good, but that shouldn't be the main thrust, especially of a sermon, but really of anything. You know, we, we have to put some law in there because we need to be brought down to size Right, um, because we get a little big for our britches sometimes, um, especially in the church. You know, where you're feeling I'm I'm doing better every day in every way, and I'm I'm walking on sunshine. Whoa! <laughs> and don't feel basic. And it's not. And it's not yeah. like that. <laughs> but I mean, um, and don't it feel good? But yeah, I mean, so I, I see what you're saying. You're saying that, I mean, there needs to be law within a sermon. and it, But it shouldn't be the too, only thing. Right. It's not, there should be 50% law, 50% gospel. I mean, the, but I, I here's what Charles Spurgeon said. So I'm reading, I'm reading again his uh, book called, actually, let me get it out. Hang on. Just one second. Spurgeon! Dirty dog. Would you come? Come here. Come here. There we go. All right. All right. I've got to find it within my highlighting. Oh, geez. That's the problem yeah. with the highlighting. Once you, you highlight everything, we, nothing's highlighted. We've, don't, we've, you, we've, don't you <laughs> talk to We've me talked like about highlighter culture. <laughs> highlighter culture is toxic. As toxic as the you highlighters themselves. You are you are toxic. Don't hang on, where is the bad? You're killing me, Smalls. Oh, this is gonna drive me nuts. So anyway, Sean, what did you have yeah, to say for this? <laughs> well, literally, uh it, the problem that I see is mostly in American Christian churches. Um, Cause we're in America. So I focus on that, but mm -hmm. the, the basic outline of a American Christian sermon and a, like a mainline evangelical church 
quote unquote evangelifish is you need to do this. You're not doing this. You need to try harder. And uh, they they don't use long gospel properly. They don't distinguish it properly. They they use the law like. Uh, well, I'm gonna kind of steal from your answer, Lee, a little bit, but it's it. Do they it. they use it. Like I said, you need to try harder. You need to do this for God, and mm. or they're gonna make morality tales out of it, like you know. You're David, and you have to slay the Goliaths in your life, and mm-hmm. blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Oh they, yeah. They don't. They don't ever. And they sell millions of dollars worth of books. Based yeah, on it, that premise. I mean, listen, listen to. Uh, be be careful, but listen to like a TD Jake sermon or a Joel mm-hmm. Osteen sermon. Don't you and, dare! And, your time, and your just, time's coming. And just listen to. What they do, it's this all law. They don't preach the gospel properly, and when you throw law at people, whether it's in morality tales or it's it's what you need to do to try harder, you're you're breaking them down with the law. You're you're mm-hmm. breaking them down. Your the law kills, and you need to at the end of a sermon. It should always end with the gospel, and if you don't, you're leaving them dead. You're and you need to have let broken. a little blood in the in the in the course of the sermon too. Yes. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Here, 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 here it is. It's um. Did so this is a it? quote from yeah. This is a quote from Charles Spurgeon, <laughs> um, and in Prayer and Spiritual Warfare, his book. It's six books in one, um, and it's in on page two seventy two in the Golden Key of Prayer, and he said he quotes this. He says. If the law is given twice, the gospel is given 70 times 7. <laughs> I thought that was really cool. That, that's, I, I a, highlight. that's a good spread yeah. quote. It, it's just it's the simple fact that the law has no ability whatsoever to save you. That's not its purpose. It's It's there to point you to who can save you. Right, and you know, and once you once you've been hit over the head with the law once, especially at conversion, it doesn't take much law to bring back that that sting. But it right. takes oh, so absolutely not. Yeah, it you takes really... so much gospel though to remind you. We tend to forget the gospel, but we remember the law. Because as Cause believers, we're... you you grow to you grow to hate your sin, mm-hmm. and it doesn't take much law to you know bring that that sting mm-hmm. back. And yeah. uh, that's why we have to continually, even as believers, hear the gospel and understand that that's, that's extremely important. You need to hear mm-hmm. it every Sunday. Yep. Right. Yep. The world operates on law. You know, we, we have various laws thrown at us all day long. Yeah. Not just, not just God's law, but, but civil law and other types of law that we And it's quite interesting, too, or... be, because if, if you boil all those laws down— it comes back to God's it's, it's the moral law, the civil mm-hmm. law. It, it, it's, it's quite interesting. If you look at cultures all over the world, this kind of goes back to what was that question three? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or two. Um, it's, it's kind of interesting how the 10 commandments are reflected in basically every culture all over the world, whether it's a Christian country or a Jewish country or whatever. 
the those those laws are you know they're written on our hearts it's quite interesting how every single person knows that murdering is bad it's part of that common grace i guess yeah you know we we do have that law written on our hearts and even even if you're even if you remain a god hater all of your life attempting to follow that kind of law really does make your life better you're going to break yeah. the law eventually but oh, yeah. it it does allow a certain formation um that is beneficial uh i had i had one more example of how we use the law badly in the church and it's kind of the opposite of what we've been saying along where we don't there are churches many churches where there is no law at all and when we when the pastors of those churches preach they don't preach they hardly preach christianity because you can't even have the gospel if you don't have the law because what's right. the good news if there is no bad news to be saved from so um so you know i know i've i've ripped on people like uh stephen furtick and ed young before but um but there are these these mega church pastors that are super popular and it's because they just tell people what they want to hear you're you're on your way. There was just something from a recent sermon in, in our time now. I don't I don't know when exactly this episode will go out, but um, God has a special plan for your life. Yeah, and that you know the power is in your position or whatever, and you need to position yourself with God. Well, what does that even mean? You know, that's not even law. That's just yeah. Um, they just speak pseudo, like these weird intellectual uh, bull scatology. Yeah, it's like a. They're more of like a motivational speaker and not a preacher. Yeah. yeah, right. They just speak in these like general phrases that could relate to really anything, and it right. General motivational motivational statements or leadership principles or I I use this sometimes, but this really did happen in a mega church where the the preacher preached on how to pack for vacation. It's just it's not even worth coming to. It's, you can't call it church. I don't know how in the world you could call it church, and it's not worth attending. Hang and, on, that's that's not that's not church. That's not church. No, oh, man. That's as much like church as as sitting in your pajamas on Sunday morning and watching sermons on YouTube. This sounds terrible, but honestly, if that's what your church does, you're better off staying at home and reading your Bible by yourself honestly. and studying it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you need to... You have a better chance of hearing the gospel that way by reading the Bible out loud to yourself than at Ed Young's yeah. church or Stephen Furtick's church or Andy Stanley's church or any of these. Um, Joel Osteen's church, apostate churches. Yeah, unfortunately, you will not hear the law at all. No, no. And, and, and because and, you don't hear the law, you won't hear the you gospel. You won't even hear the gospel. <laughs> yeah. And that's really sad. And the, the problem is, you know... There are some churches that preach the gospel without the law. Mm -hmm. um, I've heard of this before, and that's also a problem. Yes. Like you said before, how how do you know really what the good news is when there's nothing bad that shows you why you need the good news? And uh, it can, it can br kind of bring you to a spot where you think, you you're not sinning anymore you know it can it can kind of bring you in that direction and that's a problem yeah well there's a whole segment of christianity that feeds on just that idea and if, if, if i'm you totally feel sanctified. that you're not it, yeah if you feel that you're perfectly sinless then that means there's no repentance in your life and 
that's something you need to be doing every single day of your life is repenting because every with basically with every breath you take you're breaking the law i've i've had people tell me that i'm saved i've been baptized with the holy spirit i've i've gotten the second work of grace you know because they they believe uh that some people believe that when you're when you're first converted you don't receive the holy spirit until later so you have to be baptized with the holy spirit and then you're you're completely sanctified at that point and you never sin again that sounds that sounds like uh being confirmed in the catholic church yeah it's so catholic it's just they don't have the good smelling incense i'll tell you what though that hurts when you get confirmed cuz the the bishop smacks you oh <laughs> a little, just on a the little tuchus? bit on the face <laughs> oh. no no that's that that's only in pennsylvania <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Oh, I'm cutting that out. <laughs> but oh, yeah, he'll like he'll like put oil on your forehead, like anoint you, and then he smacks you. Wow! Right in the face. <clears throat> that kind of reminds me of that uh, that video. That did you see the video of that like hip, hip, cool, macho pastor who, when he baptizes people, he basically just like bear hugs them and they fall in the tub together. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like that. It was almost like re- like wrestling moves or something. Yeah, which bothers Dude, me a little bit. That's kind of gay. <laughs> it, but it kind of bothers me too because uh, it's not really showing a lot of reverence for the for baptism for the ordinance. Yeah, it, it's not really showing a lot of uh, reverence for what that is and what it signifies and. They're playing it off like a joke. It's kind of like putting rubber duckies in the baptismal. Totally. It's just not good. No. Nope. So anyway, do you guys have any final uh, thoughts on the subject of law? I feel like we've beaten the law horse to death. I think so. I think so. Maybe it's bad, but I really like the law. I really enjoy studying the the Old Testament. Uh, like I'm reading in McShane right now as we're recording. I'm at the tail end of Numbers, and like seeing all the lists of the various uh, measurements of the sacrifices and things, like the precision of the whole thing. Even though it might, it's it's you know genuinely very boring material, and I don't like saying that about the Bible because I, I really don't think the Bible is boring. But there, there is something about the when you read, especially the the first five books, and there's so much detail, not only in the genealogies, but the details of the measurements of the various aspects of the tabernacle, and the the sizes and weights and ingredients of the various sacrifices. It all it all points back to the fact that the sacrifice of Christ that fulfills all this is every bit as meticulous as the old law uh, equivalent, not equivalent, but the old law that stood in the place before Christ came in the flesh, that it was so meticulous because it's pointing ultimately to the glorious and meticulous fulfillment of righteousness in Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I think, you know, well, you can tell, like, there's no way that Paul could have expounded the, the richness of God's grace without the Old Testament. You know, those were the scriptures to him because he was writing the New Testament. So, you know, he was able to extract all these teachings of of grace and salvation 
and all these kinds of things out of the Old Testament. And I think it's really awesome to to sit down and study that for ourselves and see that yeah, uh, before our own that's, eyes. Uh, that's, that's pretty interesting, too, how uh, whenever you see somebody in the New Testament talking about, you know, the scriptures, uh, and this kind of goes back to uh, Chad Bird's lecture on the first course of the 1517 Legacy, Christ in the Old Testament, but when when you hear somebody in the New Testament talking about the scriptures, they're talking about the Old Testament because the New Testament didn't exist yet. So it's it's kind of a lot of people that doesn't register with a lot of people when they're when somebody in the New Testament's talking about the scriptures, their scriptures were the Old Testament. That's what we call the Old Testament now. So, and that's all I have to say about that. Andy, I'll have to link to that that lecture. People need to sign yeah, up for that course. That's a, a yeah. That, I can already tell it's only in session one at this point as we're recording, but it's going to be an awesome course. Yeah, like my head exploded like halfway through. All right, do we have anything else to say about the law? No, I don't. Man. Yeah, Sean, you and I were the only ones that prepared, so I guess if we don't have anything, then there must be nothing left. <laughs> <laughs> This is most certainly true. All right. Well, well, uh, if you can find us at uh, Facebook, search the Guys with Bibles Facebook page. Yeah, Lee, how can they find us? That's a great question. <laughs> to begin with the social medias, you, you can find us on Facebook at the Guys with Bibles Facebook page. Just send a join request and we will let you in. Um, we are the door to the sheepfold. Um. <laughs> uh you can also follow us on twitter and on instagram we are known to fight on twitter um at guys with bibles same with instagram then if you're feeling really adventurous you could go to our website guyswithbibles.com there you will find blog content audio versions uh that are streamable of the podcast on the podcast page on the website And if you're really adventurous, and we'd love for you to be this adventurous, hop on over to iTunes or Google Play or the various registries on the Podcatcher app of your choice and search for Guys with Bibles. We're the the Guys with Bibles that has the blue book in our uh, album art. Which, by the way, I never shouted this out, but uh, this has been long overdue, but thanks to... Brittany Sidwell Photography for doing the editing on our photo that allowed it to, uh, that uh, it actually her editing our photo allowed us to finally be able to post our podcast onto iTunes because I didn't know this, but in iTunes you have to have your art a very specific, uh, in a very specific dimension. And if it doesn't fit those dimensions, not only can you not upload the photo, but you can't even upload your feed until it has art. Isn't it the fifth dimension? Yes, the fifth dimension. The fifth element. Oh, I love that movie. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So anyway, that is that. This is Guys with Bibles and we're out. We're out. We're out. We're out. (laughs) Yeah. Way to go, Lee. You're a little backwards today.
look, okay, look, all right. So it's like time travel, okay? It's confusing. It is, and and I'm high on allergy meds right now, okay? So my whole world is kind of topsy turvy at the moment, okay? I could fall asleep right now. Do it. Maybe I will. <laughs> it's the closest I've ever been oh. to narcolepsy. 